B-Pod Studios. The best is when the guitar player from Soundgarden shaved his beard and he like was like a handsome guy. Kim Thile? Yeah, Kim Kim Thile. I don't know. I never knew how to pronounce his last name, but he, uh, very few pictures of him, but when he was in Soundgarden, he had this, oh no, no, I'm thinking of the guy from Faith No More. Am I thinking of Faith? The, yeah, the guy from Faith No More, the guitar player from Faith No More, who almost looked like it, he had this huge beard in Faith No More, he, and and then he uh, he shaved off the beard, and he was like a handsome fella. Mm. Uh, this hour of the Toucher and Hardy Show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Well, Hardy, when I started, Hardy, Hardy. Oh, okay. When I started uh, Major Market Radio in nineteen ninety nine. Uh, right away, I was a sensation. I was, uh, that's not true, but I was doing part-time, and uh, I MTV came a-knocking, and they offered me, and Hardy knows the answer to this, but John, how much do you think MTV offered me in two thousand year, the year 2000 or 2001 to come be a full-time VJ in New York City? $50,000. They offered me $30,000. Jesus <laughs> To be a VJ in New York City. My God. A job and you didn't I, take it? A job I desperately wanted. Like, because I was not even full time on the radio. I just started doing nights. So, 2000. So, if you had moved to New York, you would have had one of those IKEA 280 square foot apartments. What happened is that they, like, I had friends go, and a like, roommate. I, well, and a roommate. One roommate? Yes. One roommate? But I, I had friends like, you were literally not going to be able to live there. Yes. And I was so petrified of moving to New York City anyway. Yeah. Like, like living in the city, like I w- it was like scary to me. And the idea that I wouldn't have any money like to, to, to get around or to like really live like was, was the idea of living in like a shoebox and, and like, you know, 10 stories up in, in this shoebox and, that was like my only, you know, like salvation from the world. My only respite from the world was was a lot. So anyway, so I got uh, to get full time from that. They started paying me. And then I got mornings uh, a little bit after that. But the reason I bring it up is that I own probably legitimately 12 tapes or CDs, maybe 20 of my entire career. But there is a guy who has reached out now to Hardy because he's now uh, a partner and he has shared his his vast, vast archive, Hardy, of, of my material. This man has, uh, I've never met him to my knowledge. Maybe I have, but I don't know. Yeah, his name is Lewis Jones, and he emailed me just unprompted, out of the blue, uh, with no explanation. Um, he just said, "This is the subject line is Fred's cackle. Okay. And he said, this, this, no, hello, Hardy, not, it's just... How Fred used to laugh when he was still just a wide-eyed sparkle tooth who'd just fallen off the turnip truck in Atlanta. Mm. And he sent the following audio. And again, I'm just opening this. I have no idea what I'm listening to, who sent it, or why. 
If only I could have the eloquence and, uh, and diction of a Fred Toucher. Okay, so at the beginning of this, this is like, sounds like a produced bit. I don't know if you produced it or if Lewis Jones produced it. Who is that voice at the beginning? That's Jimmy Barron. Okay. And the oh. guy who's laughing is Wally. Okay. Who's now a big religious broadcaster. Oh. oh. He's got like uh, 5,000 affiliates. I mean, they're all in like, he's where Paul Feinbaum is. Okay. He does it out of Nashville, but he's like a big, like, uh, Christian uh, DJ. Good for him. All right. If only I could have the eloquence <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and diction of a Fred Toucher. And now, the infectious laugh of Fred Toucher. Now, they've obviously thrown in some bird noises and a couple of goose honks in yeah, there. Yeah, now I know where I stole the whole Wallach thing. A few things. Right, right. I stole that's, it from Jimmy. That's where it came from in the first place. He sent me something else, too, and I, I don't know exactly. I don't know why I don't. And I laughed like that at BCN, too. I don't know at why I don't. the beginning of this show, not this show, but the beginning of the previous show as well, you used to laugh like that. Yeah, I don't know why I, I don't know if it's because I'm on antidepressants and the highs are not as high and the lows are not as low. Oh. I don't know what the deal is, but I don't know why I don't laugh like that anymore. Like, I never laugh that hard. When we, in, when, when you, when you introduced the faster guy, I was there that morning and you cackled like nobody's business that, that morning. That's <laughs> like that. That's also my sweet spot. Like, if we found another faster guy, I don't know where they've all gone. If it's, it, it's, it's probably partially the show's fault and for not finding them and also that they're not just as around anymore. But I mean, that kind of true nonsense coming from a person who's being completely sincere. The only yeah. time I heard you laugh like that, that I can remember, is listening back to Adolfo doing the stand-up bit. Yes. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Because yeah, Adolfo was my sweet spot. Like, someone earnestly, like, not trying and just being completely nonsensical. Right. And he was reading, I think, the Rick Riley tweets. No, no, he he was doing his own stand up. Oh, is that, oh, that's that's right. Because the joke was, uh, someone came up to me and asked me if I was a Mexican. I said no, but thank you. That makes me feel real good. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Is that did I pretty much get the joke right? I, the joke was something like that. That yeah. was not the joke, but the, yeah, the joke was a setup with no punchline that was he thought was a joke. Yeah. Like that to me is the sweet spot. But I do look back and wonder why I'm not uh as ha I guess is seemingly happy. Well, because you're, used to be. you're not uh getting things in your life that make you happy. So between I don't know, the three of us, we came up with a number of scenarios we thought where that laugh might come out, mostly during uh movies. I think you should tell your Don what everyone seems to know. They shot Sonny on the causeway. He's dead. <laughs> <laughs> I can see you. At this very poignant moment. In the Godfather. Wildly inappropriate. I mean, <laughs> I mean they, is that the James Conn character? That James Conn was Sonny, yes. Mm. Which, by the, the Playboy way, Mansion suffering. And they, they screwed that up in the movie, I have to say. Because in the book, 
that there's this whole setup with the undertaker coming to the the wedding at the beginning yeah and he's very he's very afraid to ask don corleone for a favor because he's afraid at some point he's going to come to him with some you know murdered politician or gangster and ask him to hide the body so in the book you don't know that Sonny is dead and the chapter just begins with Don Corleone showing up at the funeral home and said, it's time to repay that favor. This guy's like, oh, God. Oh, God, what's it going to be? And it turns out that Sonny was dead. But that's that's not the only thing that would make you laugh, Fred. I visited your home this morning after you'd left. I tried to play husband. I tried to taste the life of a simple man. It didn't work out. So I took a souvenir her pretty head. Was that seven? No, Wallach. That was uh, Bambi. <laughs> I'm cackling at the idea of a woman being decapitated. Real sicko. <laughs> Everyone else music. know what that is? No. Does anyone Every- know what that is? I don't know what that is. Wallach thinks it's seven again. No, that would be Titanic. <laughs> okay. I never saw Titanic, deliberately. I'm guessing you never saw this either. Combs his hair, brushes his teeth every day, teaching him how to play ping pong. We fish a lot. And every night we read a book. She's so smart, Jenny. <laughs> Were you at the theater? No one had a good chuckle at Forrest Gump's expense. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. Um, he sent me something else, too. I don't know what this is. But did you use this as a show promo? Oh, Lewis Jones says you use this as a show promo back in Atlanta. All right. If you're just joining us, why don't you listen to us all day, you stupid idiots? <laughs> How are you listening to us? Yeah, that was a, a show that we did uh, where we all got drunk, or I got drunk. Okay. It, so was, the, it was sanctioned by the station. Okay, so this I is, didn't show up that way. This is not you putting on a drunk voice. This is you. All right, if you're just joining us, why don't you listen to us all day, you stupid idiots? Yeah, we had, <laughs> we had this uh, contest called Fred Needs a Friend, and uh, it just turned into, it was just a bunch of attractive females. And I just got drunk on the air uh, with the girls. All right, Let, mm. let's see if we let's see if we can elicit the cackle like naturally. Not, not and again, the, the the movies were just our idea. It'd be wonderful if we could get get it out naturally. <clears throat> when people ask me what part I'm from, uh, Mexico I'm from, I say thank you very much. That made me feel real good. See, you gave him too much credit on the joke. <laughs> you said when people ask me if I'm Mexican, I said no, but thank you very much. It wasn't even that. He said when people ask me what part of Mexico I'm from, I said thank you. That makes me feel real good. Yeah. That doesn't that doesn't even mean anything. But it doesn't get the if only I can. Yeah, it doesn't get the cackle anymore. <laughs> no, it's pure Adolfo.
pure, unadulterated Adolfo. <laughs> I'm like Bert Kreisner. I'm, I'm like really over laughing. I wonder if I'm trying to sell stuff there. I wonder if I just don't care as much anymore. I really seem to be pushing whatever we're doing. The hell are you listening to? All right. Now, that was sanctioned. I hate to be disappointed. I didn't just show up drunk. That was a, uh, a sanctioned drinking thing during the show. That was not the Incubus interview. No, no, no. No, there was no Bradley J to bail me out. By going, he was on the city bus, and everyone was saying, Incubus, Incubus, rah, rah, rah. All right, Mark Daniels from Mass Live wrote an article that is uh, taking over the nation. Uh, people are very excited about it. He talked to over 20 people and uh, about the situation with Mac Jones and uh, where he stands with the team, and it's not good. We'll talk to Mark Daniels in just a moment. Backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music. <laughs> Lainey Wilson is on a roll. She's delivering great music and teaming up with some of country's hottest acts. Text Lainey to 45911 to see which four Lainey Wilson collabs have us talking at BackstageCountry.com. Text Lainey to 45911 to get a link to the list sent right to your phone from BackstageCountry.com. It's the all-new... Toucher and Hardy. Whatever, man. On 98.5 The Sports Hub. Hey, we're Toucher and Hardy. Mark Daniels has got an article that everyone is talking about. And when it broke, everyone was going nuts here at the station. It was all the conversation on the air yesterday. Of course, it came out after we got off the air. He covers the Patriots for MassLive.com. He joins us on the Volkswagen Dealers Expert Hotline. The article is uh, Inside the Fall of Mac Jones, a once promising QB unraveled. Mark Daniels, hello, sir. Hello. Good morning. Uh, good morning. All right. So th- I guess there's it's all over like uh, social media. This it, they're like news. The Patriots aren't picking up Mac Jones's option, but that's a future scenario, correct? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I believe I believe the. I think the deadline's May for that. Okay. So they would have to make the the decision in May and you are under the uh, you're you're under the assumption that they won't pick that option up. Yeah, I I was I was told by a source that they do not plan on on picking that up. I I believe the price will be somewhere around twenty three million. The NFL hasn't even come out with a set price, but last year it, it would be twenty three million of guaranteed money. All right, so this is, I mean, a legitimate thing, and it, uh, obviously you're breaking it the, this morning, and now people are reacting to it. I don't know that it's all that surprising. What's surprising is that both of these things that I think no one thought would happen, that Belichick would be leaving not under his own terms, and also that you wouldn't be picking up the fifth-year option on the quarterback that you drafted in the first round a few years ago and played well enough in that first year it's just kind of assumed at that point. It's like, okay, well, now we got somebody here. You play for a few years. And really the conversation, Mark, was more about will they extend him before they get to that fifth-year option and sign him to a longer-term deal? The surprise comes in you know, hindsight looking back. It's like, oh, my God, not only is he not going to be here beyond his, his rookie deal, they're not even going to exercise that fifth-year option, which is still pretty reasonable money for somebody that – 
you assumed was going to be your starting quarterback for a while. And I think initially going into it, you looked at it as, all right, we'll have Mac Jones for five years, and, and that'll be enough time to evaluate whether or not we want to give him a massive contract extension. Now, Mac Jones will head into 2024, and the last year of his rookie contract will hit free agency next year. But I think the big question now is, is he even in Foxborough this summer or, or this fall? I, I know I, I think there's a growing assumption inside the building that he'll be traded. I, I think the the one thing about that is like, all right, we don't we don't even know who the OC is, who the coaching staff is, or who running who is running the front office. So it is it's just an assumption at this point. I think what also factors into it is what would another team trade for Mac Jones? What type of draft asset could you acquire? Because I don't think the Patriots would just give him away for free. Like I think there is some value to having you know ample quarterback depth. As we saw this past season, went over a dozen teams used backup quarterbacks. So if it, if it's just a seventh round pick, I, I think there's a chance. Mac Jones is back, but if I had a guess, honestly, I I think he's somewhere else, and I, I think another team would find value in just having an experienced backup quarterback and, and sort of a reclamation project. All right, so one of the I'm probably the only one because of a Jets fan to find this interesting, and I know just how garbagey the organization is. But there's a revelation that you have in there. Maybe I'm the only one who thinks it's a revelation, but how poorly Mac Jones thought he was traded in uh, opposition to how the Jets traded Zach Wilson. Tra- treated Zach Wilson. Yeah, uh, wild, right? Um, I'd say, honestly, I started working on this project for, like, the end of October, and I'd get these little nuggets, and I'd be like, oh, that'd be really interesting if I just ran with it now, and I just I really sort of gambled and held everything to have this big overall story, but that was by far one of the most shocking things that – Mac Jones didn't find out he was going to be inactive until, you know, 90 minutes before the Patriots game against the Jets. And he was so upset with the lack of communication that he vented to a member of the Jets organization of the Jets staff that just to basically say, you know, I I really appreciate how you guys have handled Zach Wilson. And what he meant by that, from what I was told, was that at the time, Diana Rossini reported the Jets were up front with Zach Wilson and said, hey, you know, this isn't working out we're going to trade you in the off season. <clears throat> and that happened after he was benched. So like compare and contrast that to Mac when like at this point, from what I was told, Bill Belichick wasn't talking to him. He was telling others in the locker room that, you know, no one talks to me, he felt like he was on an Island and then he's inactive and no one told him that he'd be the emergency third quarterback. So yeah, um, I, I I'm, up, I'm up there with you because you know, when's one of the Jets done anything better than the Patriots? No. Uh, the, someone from the Patriots organization, a quarterback, would be like, oh, I appreciate how you guys did this in contrast to the Patriots. Yeah, um, I was shocked when I was told that. Yeah, I mean, if you were to put that in an article any time over, like, take uh, take a year away, but, like, over a course of, like, 25 years, people would have been, like, pitchforks after you, pitchforks and torches after you. Just that right. the very idea of it and the Jets is like are a terrible organization. All right. But it, you know, it, Mac Jones venting his frustrations as any of us would, or certainly I would, I would be doing the exact same thing. Um, do you think that Belichick's treatment of him is fair? It, it was fair because Mac Jones, you know, we, we hear that he was upset that Mac Jones was reaching out to other coaches when Patricia was the offensive coordinator because he was frustrated, you know, the story, the anecdote you have about him uh, talking about to, to the Jets about how they handled Zach Wilson. That's another issue of him complaining. Again, I would complain to him, a big complainer, though. 
do you think that Mac Jones is someone with that that has like a problem with that? That that's a problem, or do you think he was treated unfairly and did anything and behaved in a way that most of us would behave? I, I think I think there's uh you can split the blind blame pie up between both of them. I I do think in a sense he was treated unfairly. Like the downfall for him and Bill Belichick started in 2022 with with Matt Patricia. You know, from what we were told, you know, when Bill was like, all right, we're going to change this offense to this West Coast offense. And by the way, it's Matt Patricia who's running it. You know, we were told that Mac was a bit resistant to that change. And he's a big like why guy. Like when coaches tell him to do something, he wants to know why. And with Bill Belichick, he's so old school. He want he'd rather a yes, sir, no, sir type player in. That's who Bailey Zappi is, by the way. Bailey Zappi is a very big, yes, sir, no, sir, I'll do it how you say, sir. Where Mac is like, okay, you want me to do this differently than last year when I had success. Why? Why should we do it? And really, that that was the start of the downfall. And so this past year, when Mac started to freelance outside of what Bill O'Brien was telling him, I, I think in the end, Bill Belichick viewed him as not coachable, which is why he stopped speaking to him. I, I would say it it was not treating a young quarterback fairly, but Mac Jones definitely deserves some blame because, you know, he he did show resistance and he did handle certain things the wrong way. Okay. You know, uh, so it comes out that he's a complainer and a lot of your article, and you talk to so many people, but a lot of your article is, you know, the offensive line sucked. The receivers weren't running the right routes. Were you hearing... Is this more of Mac Jones or Mac Jones's people? I'm not asking you to relate your sources, yeah. but is this just more of an instance of Mac Jones complaining and kind of passing the buck, or were, were, were people on his side? Was it more like people were on his side? It, it was more players with what they were telling me. You know, over yeah. the last three months, me, Karen, and Chris were we really we really hit the player part hard with like, all right, so I can understand Mac Jones people saying like, all right, receivers drop some of his best balls. All right, I get that. But let me talk to players in the locker room who are not Mac Jones, you know, who are not the quarterbacks, who are not, you know, team Mac Jones. I need to talk to people who are team Zappy, who are team, you know, Bill Belichick about this. And the overall thing I kept getting told over and over, you know, and over again was like, hey, this isn't all on Mac. This isn't all on Mac. I'm like, all right, if this isn't all on Mac, then who's it on? And then you talk to, you know, veteran offensive lineman, and it's, oh, well, this is going on. You talk to, like, pass catchers, oh, this is going on. So I'm like, all right, by the end of it, I'm like, I get that me putting or even writing, like, all right, the Patriots offensive line sucked and the Patriots pass catchers weren't doing this. It's going to sound like an excuse for Mac Jones, but but honestly, that stuff came from players inside the locker room, even defensive players who were telling me that, like, the Patriots offense wasn't on the same page in practice, you know, and that didn't stop when Bailey Zappi took over. So I'm like, all right, there were, at the end, there were just widespread failures, you know, all over. And, and Mac Jones is a part of that. We all saw, like, the horrible passes he was throwing. He was a part of the problem, but he wasn't the only problem. Yeah, and it's good that you say that because people, obviously, you probably heard it, were pontificating that, you know, oh, this is all coming from Mac Jones because it sounds like it's coming from Mac Jones, so it's good to hear that it's coming from other players. I'm wondering, yeah. I'm wondering, Mark, do you think that he could be a starter anywhere in the league ever again? I You've said in your article and you said with us that he could be a capable NFL backup and it never hurts to have depth at the position, but he was a pro bowler his rookie year and it seems like he's been broken by this experience. Yeah, yeah, he, he's definitely been broken by this experience and 
it, I think the interesting one interesting thing I heard too was that he openly talked in the locker room about like Geno Smith's path and how mm-hmm. that might happen to that that might be his like he has to be a backup so I think you know capable backup 100% capable starter yeah I don't it's it's hard I think it's hard when you you broke for two seasons and you bottomed out and you get demoted to the third string I think at the end of the day Mac Jones is going to be a, a capable backup it wouldn't shock me if he like comes out and like I don't know how many years and <clears throat> sorry how, how many years and you know has some success because he did it in 2021. But it's going to take the right situation, you know. I think I think to like a team like the Rams would all right. Would Sean McVay trade for Mac Jones and let him back up Matthew Stafford and give him a chance to replace Matthew Stafford? That that would be a great situation because it's an offensive minded coach with an offensive you know heavy roster. Like it'd have to be a perfect situation. So. I guess it's not a great answer to say maybe. I, I, like, it wouldn't surprise me if Mac Jones has success, but I just I don't see it coming right now. Well, he couldn't make it work with Goff, and if you can't make it work with Goff, and you get rid of Goff, <laughs> I mean, how are you going to make it work with anyone? Hey, Mark, you you mentioned in the article yesterday, and again this morning, finding out that the you know according to your source, they're not going to pick up his option, and you know it opens up the doors to where he could go and who he could play for. Looking back on the season. And in your article yesterday, you mentioned a couple of plays and a couple of throws he made against the Cowboys. And Greg Olson was quick to point out, it's like, you can't do that. You can't throw across your body. You can't roll right and throw left. And he got away with it the first time, but not the second time. And then the capper was that throw the interception on the goal line in Germany, which was just flat out one of the worst passes I've ever seen thrown by an NFL starting quarterback. In your article, though, you talk about something that I had never heard before. I hadn't read before. It was news to me that he was dealing with an injury at that time. So what did you what did you hear about that? And who else on the team knew what he was going through, according to your reporting yesterday in the story, about what made Mac Jones throw that horrific interception in Germany? Yeah, it's a great question. So honestly, what tipped me off about this was just me watching the game in the stands through my binoculars, I saw Mac run off the field after his interception and his arm was slumped down. And I was like, that's strange. It looks like he's hurt. And then after the game, he was in the x-ray room. And the the reason, the answer we got was that he had like a bruise on his back. And for me, it didn't line up. So I really chased that down, honestly, for months, trying to find out what was really going on with Mac in Germany was like, you know, did I not see what I thought I saw? And, And then it came out that no, on the drive where he threw the pick, he was hit on a play that essentially it, he hurt his throwing arm. He thought he was throwing shoulder. He suffered a stinger. It was this play where um, Connor McDermott also got hurt. He suffered a concussion. So in that drive, from from what I was told, when you get a stinger in your arm, it's it's a feeling of like pins and needles. So on maybe his worst throw of the season, Mac has a stinger in his throwing shoulder. Uh, you know, the guy who replaces Connor McDermott, you know, Vidarian Lowe sort of gets beat. And it's just a recipe for disaster, right? Because at this point, Mac isn't reacting positively to pressure. You know, he throws off his back foot. And on top of that, he's dealing with an injury in his arm. And now it's the Patriots. I get it. They're not going to blame anything on injuries. But, you know, from, you know, the source told me that, yeah, Mac Jones had a stinger. And that's why he ran off the, the sideline with the sort of his arm slumped down. So, yeah, who knew it is is really the great question because we, you know, definitely asked around and, you know, as I put in the, we put in the story, one player who was on the field said it was like, "Oh yeah, I didn't I didn't know that." I'm like, "All right, well, cer- p- certain people were certainly dialed in. Like, I know it wasn't a, a secret for everyone. Like, there's zero chance the team's trainers, the medical staff didn't know about that. 
But the confusion about that, from what I was told, was that Mac thought he was going back in. It's sort of in line with like the lack of communication between him, Bill Belichick, and the coaching staff. Like he he walked up, he fist bumped all his offensive linemen, and he he thought he was going back into the game. And no, they replaced him with Bailey Zappi. So yeah, Mac Jones stinger in his throwing shoulder. You know, I guess it leads to one of his worst picks, but. As he told someone in the locker room, you know, in hindsight, that was obviously, you know, on him. And and if his arm was hurting him, you know, the thing is, he probably shouldn't have thrown that ball. All right. There you have it. Uh, Mark Daniels uh, from MassLive.com. We appreciate the time, sir. Uh, Congratulations on the article. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Mark. There you go. The great Mark Daniels. I. I, I trust his reporting, and he's he's getting all the stuff right, and he's getting it from good sources. It's just the timeline of that. that To me, that really stuck out because that was the sequence. You know, that game in Germany against the Colts, that interception. Oh, he had a stinger. Well, when did it happen? At the 7.56 mark of the fourth quarter. All right. Uh, when did he throw that interception? Uh, it's like at four-something. That's a lot of, like, time-time. That hell, that's a lot. That's a lot of clock time. Just you know, three and a half minutes later, according to the clock, which equates to at least ten minutes. I'm not saying you're you're completely over your stinger. We saw one in one of the conference championship games over the weekend. The guy looked like he was dead, mm-hmm. and he was out there a few plays later. It's that's like right. ah, stinger gone. I just I wonder how much it was affecting him at that point. And even then, like if you're not benching him because of that or because of the injury, he got benched anyway. They come home, they go on the bye week, and they start him again against the Giants. Yeah. It was the it was the wackiest of of ways to handle the quarterback position. Belichick's not talking to him. And he's not talking to him and, <laughs> and, and, like, and, All right, you're back and, and after that, you know, like meltdown in in Germany, yeah. ah, maybe it was injury related, but he yeah. still got benched and then they still came back and started him uh, in the next game. They ended up losing ten seven. And now now it's obvious. Of course they're not picking up their option. Glad Mark had it this morning. Glad he talked to us about it a little bit. But the other stuff in that article from yesterday is really, it's fascinating, especially when he was envious of the way the Jets were treating their quarterback. Jeez. Think about that. Yeah. He was and, he was jealous. I mean, he's very excited about the Jets. He's, he's into Geno Smith, the former Jets mm-hmm. uh, second-round pick. He's very into uh, the way that they treated Zach Wilson up front and with respect. It's a uh, it's a whole situation. Very quickly, uh, Matt, go ahead. All right, yeah, that was a good report there. Um, I have a couple problems with what everyone's always saying about Mac Jones. Like, do we blame the Jets for ruining Zach Wilson? Do we blame the the Bills who ruined uh, JP Lossman? Sometimes a guy just can't play. He doesn't have the arm talent. He doesn't have the emotional talent to be a quarterback. He you know, it breaks down easily with the pressure. You know, the only redeeming quarterback quality I can think about him is that his teammates like him, but that's not going to help you play quarterback. Uh, just want to know your thoughts. Well, the, I agree with you in that he's physically incredibly limited. Uh, did the Jets ruin Zach Wilson? They'll tell you that they shouldn't have played him his rookie year, that he needed to sit, and he they had no intention of playing him this season. But is but you could make the argument that that's a detriment. That's Zach Wilson's detriment that he wasn't ready to play. And then even after the break, when Aaron Rodgers got hurt, he wasn't ready to play again. But I, I, you know, there's there's most quarterbacks that get drafted. The vast majority of them don't become stars. 
I think he would have been a functional NFL starter based on what we saw his rookie season with an actual offensive coordinator that knew what he was doing and some talent around him. But to say that Mac Jones didn't have the talent or doesn't have the talent to be an NFL quarterback, he does. He can be an NFL starter, not a particularly good one, but he can be an NFL starter. The Patriots have just broken him. And now that arm talent and the physical abilities come into play. Well, the thing is, is that if you another thing that's damning to him is if you went off script, it was a disaster. Yes. yes. I mean, the, yes. the great quarterbacks live off script. I mean, you even saw Brock Purdy off yes. script. Yes. That's in true. the he NFC Championship No escapability, game. no arm talent to save him from a bad sack, no, no ability to improvise to the point where you can make plays when you're behind and that there are a lot of negatives in the Mac on the Mac Jones report card, but can he be an NFL starter? Yes, he can be. Yes. Have a perfect surrounding, but yes, he could be an NFL quarterback starter. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Uh, we will be back in uh, just a moment. Backstagecountry.com. Your online home for all things. Country music. <laughs> Country music has so many generous artists who always seem to jump in to help those in need. We're spotlighting five who lead by example and lend a helping hand to charitable causes. See who made our list when you text GIVE to 45911. Text GIVE to 45911 and read all about it right now on BackstageCountry.com. On the air. Online. On the air. This is how Boston sports fans start their day. Toucher and Hardy on 98.5 The Sports Hub. Herbert Jones and Ingram deep on the left against Jalen Brown. Two long strides, long cross-court pass. Zion attacks, jumps over Horford, puts it up and in, scoring the foul. That's special. We have arrived at the Zion Williamson portion of the night. Hey, we are Toucher and Hardy, and I'll tell you this, this hour of Toucher and Hardy is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. The Celtics uh, beat the Pelicans last night, 118-112, to 112, in a game that was closer than I'm sure most people thought it would be, a, a game that Derek White had to hit a bunch of threes at the end to seal away, a game at the end that was, uh, New Orleans was just fouling. They were just saying, we don't care, we're down seven. With like yeah. twenty seconds we're to go, we're milking gonna, this game. We don't have anywhere to go. We're, we got, we're just going to extend this sucker out to about ten thirty. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. But the the reason that we played Zion Williamson is that it was interesting yesterday because, I mean, a lot of us have seen Zion Williamson highlights since he was in high school, and they're hysterical. If you haven't seen them, you can watch the, you can watch the entire state championship game that he played in. It, I think he, I think he grew up in North Carolina. You can North Carolina or South Carolina. You can see the entire. And I don't. And he didn't play for some like powerhouse school, to my recollection. And and he's just in high school. It's just hysterical because he's that that size, and you see him be able to to attack the rim in the NBA. I mean, imagine him in high school, and he's about that same size. The kid's only twenty three years old. But was it what was interesting about the game last night was that 
you heard the announcers talking about it. You heard Gorman and Scal talking about it is that he couldn't make it down the court on defense, not because he was hobbled with injury, but because he was cardiovascularly spent. He couldn't, he could no longer move. They had to call timeouts, take him off the court. He only played 31 minutes last night. 31 minutes, and we heard the highlight coming back of him getting the ball, elevating over Horford, uh, you know, getting get the bucket and the foul, and then you get to later in the game. It's not just the inability to get back on defense. He starts getting sloppy because he's tired. Zion Williamson blitz that by Al Horford, tries to turn the corner, falls down and turns it over. Tatum comes up with a loose ball, pounds it into the front court, and now backs it out. He'll run some time with the Celtics up by six. Yeah, this is a professional athlete. It was really strange, and I don't know if it's just me being naive or just being hyper-focused on Zion Williamson because his rookie card was so valuable at one time. (laughs) And because I'm a huge nerd. I don't know what it is, but it was... John, again, you have traveled with the team. You've done play-by-play over 100 times, I'm sure, for the Celtics. Do you recall in a regulation game... It, it, not not like double overtime, but in a regulation game, a, seeing a, a elite player get that no. fatigued. No, no. And that's been the knock on him since he came out of school. He he doesn't keep himself in shape. And because of that, he doesn't keep himself healthy. I mean, he's played 152 games in five NBA seasons. Wow. That's total 152 games in five NBA seasons. So look at the minutes for the starters. You already mentioned that he played 31 last night. Right. Okay. Uh, Ingram was out there for 36. McCollum was out there for 37. Celtic starters. Tatum, 38. Al Horford, who is 14 years older than Zion Williamson. Al Horford, 37 years old, played 36. Played five more minutes than Zion Williamson last night. Drew Holiday, 33. Derek White, 35. Jalen Brown, 37. So every single Celtic starter is out there for multiple minutes more than Zion Williamson, who just can't make it until the end of the game. And you saw it in the fourth quarter where they had to pull him out midway through the fourth quarter to make sure that he was rested enough for the push at the end. And and I don't it, think he was. It, no, well, no, he wasn't. I but, mean, like, even but, when they rested him, it didn't do any good. If you watched earlier in the game, and this is the problem, it would be different if Zion Williamson was just okay. He's not. He's really good. And the New Orleans Pelicans are spending 45 or $50 million a year to have him play for that team. He is such a good player, and you heard some of the highlights with Granny. And Max is like, oh, my God, I can't believe he just did that. That's a 270 or 280-pound player that runs like a deer when he's when he's healthy enough to do so and has incredible offensive skills, but he can't stay up there. Well, I mean, when he's not winded, I mean, you can yes. just give him the ball, have him run point, and have him just attack the rim, right. and it doesn't matter if you clog the lane because he'll People just barrel through you. People bounce off him. I mean, they you want to talk about playing him. through contact. And that's what's frustrating about watching him is that you he could score at will, it yes. seems that if he just was in some kind of shape, which has to be his fault, there it has to be his fault. You know, injuries probably not because of his size and his just ligaments probably aren't, you know, meant to human ligaments probably aren't meant to carry that kind of weight in, in the amount of stress that he puts them through. 
But in terms of just being in shape, yeah. And can you like the Pelicans might win that game if Zion Williamson is better shaped? The Pelicans might win that game. So in the playoffs, three months from now, because Pelicans make a playoffs. Yes, Pelicans. They are making the playoffs three months from now. So three months more. I mean, who knows how much more Zion will play? That's true. He could get hurt again and miss another forty games again, and they might miss the playoffs. But no, they, if but, he is on the floor in any way, shape, or form, they're going to the playoffs. Right. And so, can you imagine like a game seven in that yeah. that this guy, twenty three years old, this guy can't physically, due to being out of breath, finish a playoff game that they that now if I'm the coach, I have to concern myself. With managing my star player, my franchise player's minutes, yeah. that I got it. That I got it. Instead of conserving timeouts, I got to start calling timeouts specifically because he's got to. I got his get his off ass off the court because he literally can't run down and play defense. Tatum dunked on the play. Hardy played. Zion couldn't get down the court. And the other thing is, they had Zion matched up in the last few minutes against Tatum one on one, or Tatum on. Zion was guarding him on the defensive end of the floor. Tatum went by him like he was standing still. And that's because Zion wasn't winded enough, didn't have his wind to stay with him. And the other part of it, say you're Willie Green, the head coach of New Orleans, and your future is tied to this guy? Yeah. Oh, my God. Right now, if you take a look at New Orleans' roster, and I mentioned it before, you Brandon Ingram, very good player. C.J. McCollum, very good player. They have role players. They have good shooters. They have guys that can rebound the basketball. Valanciunas has been a center that's been around for a while. He's a very solid NBA center. But the problem is they're never going to go anywhere because this guy either A, is going to miss three months or B, not going to be in shape enough to carry this team through a couple of rounds of the playoffs. And I wondered when he was coming out of college if his downfall, because obviously everybody needs to be able to shoot now. You know, the the yes. idea of being a, right. you know, strictly a defensive specialist right. or just being a guy who drives the lane and gets inside. You I have know, to be I, able to shoot. Yes. I know we call for it, especially with the Celtics stop taking so many threes, but you need the ability to take and make a three. And I thought when he was coming out of college, I'm like, man, the arc on his shot just doesn't mm-hmm. look like NBA quality. You know, he's attempting now point three. No, he's <laughs> right. He's not a three point well, shooter. Yeah. I mean, his so, shot his shot's wrong. I mean, he doesn't shoot the ball so, correctly. So his his game is to your point, Fred, to go inside. Guys will bounce off of him. He can drive the lane. He can get over Horford earlier in the game. Early in the game, but when he starts to get winded, which happens sooner than later. He doesn't have anything else to fall back on because he doesn't have the outside shot. And still, despite the fact that he has no range and can't shoot threes, this guy has a career scoring average of 25 points a game. It's unbelievable. And he shoots very few three-point shots. Because that's what makes him so unique and makes your eye go to him on the court is because when right, there's no one like him. It's he's he is the epitome. He and Ben Simmons are the epitome of the classic NBA tees. Did you see Benny Simmons last night? He was really he good last night. And that's the thing. You see how good Zion is. Last night he comes uh, Ben Simmons off the bench in a blowout win for Brooklyn. First game he's played in three months, took five shots and almost had a triple double. That's why I never understood. Eighteen under- minutes. I, that's why I never understood why people were like, "Why? Why are coaches fascinated with Ben Simmons? Like he can't shoot." It's like, well, he's a six ten, six eleven point guard with point guard skills, yeah. who 
is a coach's wet dream defensively. I mean, like, you could – do you know what that allows you to – I was just kidding around about, like, you know, the the Bucks and, the you know, can Doc Rivers come up with some defensive linemen. But you know what having a, a 6'10", 6'11", guy with those kinds of skills yeah. athletically can do for you defensively? It changes everything. I mean, he changes tease. everything. I know, but it, he, like Zion, is a massive tease. But Ben Can't stay on the floor for one reason or another. But didn't you always think it was funny? He was like, well, why do people want Ben Simmons? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, if you're a coach, he lets you do anything. Right. Know, like, you can do whatever you want. Well, you can't shoot. Fine. But it, it, he lets you. He he's a marvel. It's insane. Any coach would want him. He's Are you crazy? In, he's Any coach would want talented, him. Talented, but he is a coach killer, man. Oh Looks yeah, like Zion is. Uh, yep, absolutely. But at least he. I don't recall him being that out of shape. All right, we have coming up one of the strangest things you're going to hear today.